title of this sermon is Would That All the Lord's People Were Prophets and That the Lord Would Put His Spirit on Them. Our first reading comes from Acts 2, 1 through 21, and the second reading from Numbers 11, 24 through 30. And our scripture readings show us two incidences when God empowered not just individuals but groups of people. The elders in our Old Testament reading were already leaders. Here's some uh, background on these men. Exodus, the 18th chapter, says that this group of 70 men were chosen as leaders of thousands and hundreds and fifties because they were men who feared God, are trustworthy, and hate dishonest gain. Sounds like they had the right mindset to me, but that's not all. The 24th chapter of Exodus says that then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seven of the elders in Israel went up the mountain and they saw God of Israel. Well, this is when Moses went further alone and received the Ten Commandments. These 70 were the first to receive instruction in God's law. So, natural skills and formal training, but it still wasn't enough. Here's a condensed version of the scriptures preceding our Old Testament reading for today, Numbers chapter 11. The rabble who were among them had greedy desires, and also the sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, but now our appetites are gone. There's nothing at all to look at except this manna. I just want to interrupt the reading here to point out that they left Egypt with cattle, sheep, and goats, as it says in Exodus 12, 36b through 38. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now the sons of Israel were about 600 and about about 600,000 men on foot, aside from children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds, and a very large number of livestock. And when they arrived in the promised land with goats, sheep, and cattle, so it wasn't true that they had nothing to eat but men. But that's another sermon for another day. So back to my reading. Now, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, each man in his doorway of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you been so hard on your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight, that you have laid the burden of all this people on me? I alone am not able to carry all this people, because it's too burdensome for me. So, if you are going to deal thus with me, please kill me at once. Well, the Hebrew scripture passage we read today takes place about a year after they were placed in these positions of leadership. And what are they doing? Well, they're not leading, not being spokespersons for God. No, they're complaining. They were supposed to be lifting some of the burden of leadership from Moses' shoulders. Instead, they had added to his burden to the place that Moses asked God to kill him 
and give him relief. These 70 had been trained in how to read. They knew all the laws, but they had no idea of the difference between training and empowered by God for the task. Our New Testament reading finds a different group of men. We're more familiar with their backgrounds. These men, a widely different background, fishermen, tax collectors, working men, and business owners, they were hand-picked by Jesus. Presumably, he saw some native skill or attribute in these men that he could develop to do the task ahead. Then he spent three years training them. Imagine, personally instructed by God incarnate, not just trained, but commanded to go into all the world spreading the good news. And what are they doing? They're still banded together and spending time in prayer. They were not telling others the story of Jesus. They were keeping the good news to themselves. Two groups of good men, skilled men, trained men, but men who had not, had, had not yet been empowered for the job. But in an instant, that changed. God touched them, and they were changed. I like the way one of the modern translations states the experience. It reads, they began to shout like prophets. Shout like prophets. Spokespersons for God. What they should have been doing all along, establishing the kingdom of God. That Pentecost 2,000 years ago was the beginning of the era of the church. It was our birthday. This touch of God, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, wasn't just for the people huddled in that upper room. It was promised to all who believe and confess with their lips that Jesus Christ is Lord. We in this room are another group of people. We come to worship, to praise, to sing, and to hear the leader proclaiming the good news. We have been trained. Now what? We need to be empowered. Are we going to see tongues of fire resting on each other or hear the rush of a mighty wind? Well, I'll confess there were times that I've longed for those miraculous displays of God's power. For as Moses said, I would that all the Lord's people would be prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. But we don't need more demonstrations of God. See the moment that you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, you were infilled with the Spirit of God. You have been empowered. God has injected Himself into your very being, and you, plus God, can do anything. We all have our own jobs in this kingdom of God. There are no non-participating. 1 Corinthians 12 addresses the outpouring and flow of the Spirit in concrete ways. An empowerment that flows in and through everyone who has been baptized by water and the Spirit in nearly as many ways as may be imagined. Paul's list of gifts here is an expansive but by no means exhaustive list. Every disciple of Jesus Christ was walking in the power of the Spirit has been given many gifts, not just to use within the Christian community, 
function in society, a meeting or a class, but to bless people wherever we may go as representatives and the embodiment of Jesus Christ. All of these gifts not only build up the body, they also send that body out to the, be the body of Christ in the world. All these gifts have both an inside face for strengthening Christian communities and a public face for blessing and for a witness to others. 1 Corinthians 12 provides a good starting place for putting names to some of the ways the Spirit is flowing among us and through us to bless the world. Who among us is prophesying, not just in worship, but in daily life? How is healing happening around us? of the works of the Spirit in our midst? How are the people growing in knowledge and wisdom? And who is helping folks to do that with the Spirit's power? John 7 records the words of Jesus at another Jewish pilgrimage festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, or Booth, beginning five days after Yom Kippur. This week-long celebration remembers the wilderness wanderings of Israel when the people lived in tents and ends in an even greater time of rejoicing in a day called Rejoicing in the Torah. It is also historically a fall harvest festival of barley, which as of at Pentecost, there would have been a great ingathering of the harvest past and blessing for the new planting season. The words of Jesus in the temple on the day of rejoicing in Torah were thus incredibly provocative. You want living water? Come to me. Come to me, and you'll not only get living water, streams of living water will flow out of you. Jesus' teaching is still provocative today, even for long-time churchmen. He's not saying, come to me, and I'll bless you and make you feel good and loved by God. He's saying, come to me and become a stream, sources in yourselves. The end of the work of the Spirit is not the individual. The end of the work of the Spirit is not realizing until every corner of creation is reached and with living streams. The streams aren't there just for us individually to make us feel good. Instead, Jesus intends us and the Spirit that empowers us to become life-giving change agents for the most abundant harvest of blessing the world will ever see. The way of Jesus is personal, but it's not private. Experiencing his word speaking to us in worship, in the world, and in our hearts profoundly affects our own lives and perceptions. But that's not the point, any more than the spiritual gifts described in 1 Corinthians 12 are for us only. That transformation in our minds and hearts and feelings is intended to overflow into the whole world around us. Wherever we go, we are to become streams of the life-giving flow of Christ. We are to live in the flow of the Spirit in every way we can not just in worship, but in all the ways the Spirit already flows among and through and even outside us, whether we gather for worship, 
This is a workforce. 